This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Do you think Harry's typically unfiltered? Just wait till you hear about his travel plans. I am unfamiliar with the dance that is going on right now with Shannon and Harry. <laughs> Do I have to learn this? I'm, I'm going to be, I'm here the next three days. I'm Gabe Nigel in for Freddie here on Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. But you guys are having a good time right now. Oh, yeah. So it's a little dance that goes with the music that is being played. And, you know, we point at each other. We go wide. <laughs> then we wave both of our, of, of our arms in the air. We have a good old time. A damn good time, Gabe. Well, you need to, I mean, you need to do a little something probably for maybe at the top of every hour because, well, you're working on how many hours of sleep right now? You're about to do this show, which is four hours long, by the way, on how many hours of sleep? One hour. One hour. So I was able last <laughs> night to do the the field pass, mega cast, yeah. uh, Pat McAfee cast uh, on the field last night for the Sugar Bowl. And it was phenomenal. First of all, I want to tell uh, Amanda Gifford Lockwood, uh, thank you for allowing me to do that. Pat McAfee, thank you for allowing me to do that. Everyone that I was with, though, as well, uh, Cole Klubnick, Sam Acho, along with Colt McCoy, we had Matthew McConaughey come join us, Brian Arakpo, Kenny Maine. So thank you to everyone who, who joined the broadcast, all our producers. Everybody was phenomenal. Uh, but when I walked into the hotel room last night, it was 1 a.m., right? And I looked at the clock, and I was like, should I take my shower now, or should I take my shower when I get up in the morning? I, have a five, I had a 5.27 a.m. flight. So Oof. I said, you know what? I'm going to take my shower now. So I get into bed around 1.45, and I have to leave the hotel at 3. So I say to myself, okay, I'm not going to go to sleep. Well, I dozed off because I was watching film. So oh, when no. I woke up, I jump up, and I'm in panic mode because I'm thinking I, I, I've missed my flight. But really, no, I haven't missed my flight. So it was, it was about 3 o'clock at that time. Um, so I went to the airport, didn't really sleep on the flight because I was trying to, you know, get a little bit of stuff done before the show today. Came in the house, and my kids, like both of them, my daddy's kids, and they basically said, without saying, hell no, you not laying down, daddy. They came storming all up on me, and I've been with them ever since, up until I got on the, the Zoom and also got connected to do the show today, Gabe. So I'm on one hour, baby, but hey, well, ain't nothing to it but to do it. I feel yes. the unintentional is just as important as the one hour, because you were planning on just going straight through. Yeah. Yep, I was. So 100%. So do you think you is that hour going to help you? Like, do you need that sleep in order to be functional? Because we just heard, like, you don't Hell know what no. Harry's going to say you, on the you show. Know, you know how many nights in college I spent being up 24 hours and going straight to workout, straight to practice? Gabe, I'm, I was used to this life. I gave it up a long time ago. But damn it, Harry, it's here. Harry, how it's long ago today. was that? I don't want to, like, dime you out on, on your age or anything, but, like, that, that, was, that was more I'll than say, a year or two ago, bud. I'll, well, I'll say the last time I probably was on one hour of sleep like this, one hour, literally one hour, is probably 2010. Okay. 2010. That's almost, you know, that's four, you know, 13, 14 years ago, bud. That's, I mean, but you, you seem like you're going strong. You got the energy. You're feeling I'm good. good. I'm Especially good. Because, I mean, we're coming off of a fun weekend of football, not yep. just in the NFL, but of course, 
with the college football playoff semifinals last night. And you can join our conversation. Be a part of the Freddie and Harry Nation with the Dr. Pepper call in line. Call us, 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The ones fans deserve. The main thing was, it wasn't quite the main event last night. But it was the granddaddy of them all. The Rose Bowl, Michigan, Alabama. Highly anticipated matchup delivered. Ended up going to overtime at the Rose Bowl. Michigan getting a stop on fourth and goal against Bama to reach the college football playoff title game. And this Michigan team, with all the different things going on, Jim Harbaugh suspended the first three games. Jim Harbaugh suspended the last three games of the regular season. And so many different things. But this was the team that we were used to seeing all year long. This was a physical team that put together a dominant defensive performance, Harry. And it just seemed fitting that they ended up getting the stop they needed in OT. This matchup, Gabe, I'll tell you, was phenomenal for so many different reasons. You look at the coaches to start off in Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh and what Nick Saban has meant to college football, Jim Harbaugh playing at the University of Michigan, going back coaching at his alma mater, making the college football playoffs three years in a row, but not having a victory until yesterday. So there was a lot of pressure, and a lot of people said there was more pressure on Nick Saban to win yesterday, more so than there was Jim Harbaugh, and I didn't feel that way. I thought if, if, if this is your third trip in a row to the college football playoffs, uh, Jim Harbaugh, that is, being the head coach, at some point you needed to get a win. At some point you needed to make a championship game, and that's what happened. But it was on the back of that defense. That defense was phenomenal yesterday. They sacked Jalen Milrow, who is a dual-threat guy, a guy that's hard as hell to sack in the pocket because he's so elusive, because of uh, the athleticism, six times. They had 10 tackle for loss. That's amazing. And that defense put on a dominant performance. But you've seen guys from Braden McGregor, uh, Josiah Stewart, Junior Colson, Chris Jenkins, uh, Michael Bennett. All those guys showed up and showed out and made sure that the defensive side of the ball did their job. And when the offense had to come along, the offense figured out how to make plays. Listen, J.J. McCarthy, in my opinion, that trick play, when the ball got thrown back to him, for him to have the awareness and the athleticism to catch that football, number one, but to say, in my, to, say to himself, hey, I still got to get this football off, and Roman Wilson is down there, and throw it and complete it, my gosh, <laughs> J.J. McCarthy, don't do him like that in the Rose Bowl. But he came to play, man, and, and when everything counted the most, they were able to make the plays. Blake Corum. We know his run style. He gets stronger as the game goes along. Roman Wilson, four catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. But I would say this, for Michigan and their offense, uh, before the game, I thought that their shifts and their motions could potentially give Alabama problems because it was going to force Alabama to have to communicate uh, on the fly and be locked in and dialed in that much more. Some of the things that I've seen Michigan do offensively with their shifts and their motions, kind of caused some problems for Alabama defensively. And you've seen the very last touchdown that, you know, Michigan was able to score with Roman Wilson coming on on a sneak. I believe it was the one to tie the game up. Just the confusion, the fourth and two play. Mm-hmm. Talking about some big kahunas. Talking about some big damn grapefruits. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh with some big damn grapefruits yeah, deciding to go for it on fourth and two. He should have done the Cassell dance on the side. Yes, he should have. Up. 
Think about that, man. You're, you're on your own 30-something yard line, three-something three left in the game. You're down seven, and you dropped a perfect play call, and you have Roman, uh, excuse me, you have Blake Corum wide open in the flat to the right for a first down and a big play. Come on, man. It takes big kahunas in that situation because not every coach actually ha, 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 you know, has the mindset to say, we're going to go for it right here. Some coaches say, hey, let's punt and try to bank on our defense. Even though the defense was playing well, when you have faith, when you have trust in your offensive guys, when you have trust in your quarterback, your offensive line, your running backs, your receivers, you can make those decisions. And players want to play for you more. Players will run through a brick wall when you give them that opportunity and also they come through. For you, coach, and then, coach, you came through for them. So we wonder why Jim Harbaugh is so beloved by his players. That's one of the reasons why. He trusts his guys. He believes in his guys. And his guys, have, they, they have his back 100%. And we've seen that when he went out because his team never wavered. Any game that he missed this year, the team stayed together. They never wavered. And they showed that, hey, internally, we're strong as hell. We're a fist. Because if our hands are spread out and we try to punt somebody, our hands will break. But we're a fist, and we're knocking people out. And, boy, did they knock people out along the way. Yeah, they had a lot of things to overcome, most of it self-inflicted, but that was something that Jim Harbaugh, their head coach, reflected on last night in his press conference after the win. You know, it's almost been an unfair advantage. I mean, all the things that, that uh, you know, that the team has gone through, I mean, we don't care anymore. We don't care what people say. We don't care about uh, anything that comes up. We just know we're going to overcome it because uh, it's um- unanimous support from uh, every single guy on the team. I mean, they this is all self-inflicted. Like I'm, I am so sick of that narrative of Michigan. Oh man, all this adversity, like you created the adversity yourself. That being said, the players themselves that may have not had anything to do with all the things surrounding Jim Harbaugh and the reasons why he was eventually sat for the first three games and the last three games of the regular season, they were able to band together around that and make it kind of a common Michigan versus everyone, Michigan versus the world. And you bring up a couple of interesting points about, hey, they go for it at this point. They're able to kind of, you know, get Jalen Milrow on the ground and just do things that we haven't seen happen really that much to Alabama, especially this version of Alabama that continued to get better and better as the season got went along with Jalen Milrow being one of the most improved players I've ever seen throughout the course of a college season. But did Jim Harbaugh outcoach Nick Saban yesterday? I believe he did. Honestly, I, I believe he did. I, I thought he put his players in the best positions to be successful. That was offensively and defensively. Now, players got to go out there and make plays, and offensively, you know, it took a little while, or they were able to make plays here and there, but then they started to get things together when they needed to, when they were down seven points in the fourth quarter and they needed to score. And then in, in overtime, we see them go right down the football field and score a touchdown in which Alabama could not. But when you're a head coach and you oversee everything, and you're an offensive guy, and you can put your players in the best position possible, and you allow your coaching staff to do the same things. Um, I, I think you're 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 coaching at a at a high level, and I really I really believe Jim Harbaugh outcoached Nick Saban in that matchup yesterday. And, and I'll tell you this. I thought Alabama was going to win that football game because Nick Saban had ample time to prepare for it. And him being a guy that's the GOAT of college football coaches winning, what was it, seven national championships Nick Saban has? Seven, uh, right? Sounds about right, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, seven national championships. So I thought in those regards, but I'll tell you this about the, the Michigan Wolverines. 
They are the most complete team in college football. I said this. Shannon, what, about a month and a half ago I said that? About a month and a half ago I said that. Because here's what I love. They're not going to beat themselves majority of the times. They're, they're well coached. They're going to do what they're supposed to do. And they don't have, you know, glaring superstars on their team. J.J. McCarthy is going to be a first-round draft pick, uh, plays the quarterback position very, very well, makes some, some eye-popping throws that, man, I'm like, those are big boy. You got your big boy draws on, man. Those big the NFL throws right there. And I love every bit of it from J.J. McCarthy. But when you look at the wide receiver group, you don't see nobody that's going to go in the first round. When you look at Blake Corm, right, Donovan Edwards, those guys, do you Corm's, think those Corm's guys? really good, but he's not a first-round pick. It, that's my point exactly. But they're well-coached, and they're going to do their job, and they're not going to beat themselves. And that's across the board, right? That's mm-hmm. offensively, that's defensively, and that's on special teams. So I think they, they played together the most as a team, more so than anybody has this year. And that's why, in my opinion, they're, they're one of the reasons why they're the most complete team in college football. Yeah, I mean, to, to your J.J. McCartney point, I, I thought that some of the – I'm trying to think of the best way to word this because they didn't necessarily rely on him. I think of back to the Penn State game where he didn't throw a pass yep. past the second quarter because they didn't need him to, right? I mean, that's, that's great leadership, great sacrifice, not being, hey, I'm a guy that need, you know, I need to be throwing the ball in order for us to win, all these different things. You know, same thing against you know, Ohio State. They really let the defense kind of dictate things in their two biggest games of the year, and I wondered if, okay, can J.J. McCarthy answer the bell? Can he answer the call if he needs to have a drive? And then he did last night, yep. having the drive when Michigan absolutely needed it. Was that one of the two keys that made Alabama lose the game? That's something that Nick Saban was talking about after the game in his press conference. If you really analyze the game, one of the biggest things is, is we didn't play well enough on defense when we needed to. The second thing is, is we had too many drive-stopping plays on offense. I mean, we shot ourselves in the foot. Sack is a drive-stopping play. Getting a penalty usually is a drive-stopping play. So some of those things we self-inflicted. You know, I told the players after the game, I told them before the game, it's going to be about what we do. And when you look back at it, it's, it's kind of about what we did and what we didn't do. Not taking anything away from Michigan. They played a great game. They got a good team. They're very well coached and wish them the best of luck in the future. We could have done things a little better as well. And that's on me, on the coaches. It's not anybody else. I mean, it seems like he's agreeing with you in terms of being outcoached yesterday by Jim Harbaugh. But also, when you get to these big-time games, the semifinals, college football playoff, national championship game, and things happen that you take for granted throughout the course of a football season, because every team almost exclusively runs out of shotgun. Very few are running plays under center. And how many snaps did Alabama have last night? You want to talk about those drive-stopping plays? We got a coach on the sideline, the, the center, snapping the ball, to the quarterback in a semifinals game. Yep. Think about that. To the, so much to the point that where when you get to the final play, fourth and goal, you're Alabama and you need this play to send this thing in another overtime or to potentially score a touchdown and go for two to try to win it and send your team to the national championship. And the snap is too low, and it, it, it makes your quarterback go in panic mode. Think about that. Think about how crazy mm-hmm. Nick Saban wanted to go probably in that moment. He did, I thought he did a great job keeping his composure, but just think about how he probably wanted to go crazy. And I remember he, might, he, he said to the center one time coming over, what the F? Like basically 
Like, dude, yeah. what's what's going on? Like, what are we doing? Because it happens so often. Yep. I mean, again, it's something that as a football fan, you've watched how many college football games this year, how many of those snaps were from shotgun, and 99% of them are clean. And it's, yep. you, you don't even think about it. It's just one of those things that happens throughout the course of a game. And for it to happen on back-to-back plays at an earlier point in the game, and then to happen again in the final play of the game, certainly something. Those are I think those are kind of the drive-killing plays that Nick Saban is talking about there. Going back to Jim Harbaugh, though, does winning a national championship make it more or less likely that Harbaugh leaves Michigan for the NFL? More. More. Because, see, you got to look at how, how much success Jim Harbaugh has been able to have throughout his coaching career, whether it's been the National Football League, whether it's been the college level. And I just mentioned earlier how he, before yesterday, didn't win a college playoff uh, game, right, in the college football playoffs. And he was able to do that yesterday. He has a good chance to win a national championship. Now, I'm not taking the Michigan Wolverines because of what I've seen from Michael Penix, and we're going to get to that a little, a little Ooh, later. I cannot wait. But he has an opportunity to do so. I feel like if he goes to the National Football League, he's going to be able to get compensated uh, for what he wants. And let's just say hypothetically it doesn't work out and he wants to come back to college football. You don't think any uh, available job at the college level is not going to drool and, and have their tongue uh, out their mouths to bring in Jim Harbaugh as their head coach after what we just witnessed and what he's done with the Michigan Wolverines and their program? Yeah, oh, people would line up. I mean, look at the coaches who get second, third, even fourth chances throughout yep. the course of college football or college basketball, college sports in general. If you have had any bit of success, people are going to line up, and not very many coaches have gone to a national championship game. That's what Jim Harbaugh is doing. I, to answer this question, does winning the national title make it more or less likely Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan? I think the answer is neither. I think he's gone no matter what. It doesn't matter what happens. Yeah. It doesn't yep. matter what happens in six days. I think Jim Harbaugh is gone because this is how he answers questions um, when it comes to, you know, hey, what's your future hold? And, again, they had to ask him this last night. Biggest victory he's had at the University of Michigan because they've been on this stage a couple of times before. Got blown out. Didn't take TCU seriously enough, lost last year. So now you win to finally get to that national championship game, and this is how Harbaugh answers a question about his future. Uh, there's a lot of interest in your future. I wonder if you can tell me what the chances are that the championship game might be your last one at Michigan. <laughs> Boy, my future consists of a happy flight back to Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> Can't wait. He has not answered one of those questions straight. In how long at this point? <laughs> just changed agencies and everything. Ooh. Yeah, he did. Just changed his agents. Yeah. I would say all signs point to Jim Harbaugh potentially leaving. You can join us on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. And Vaughn in Ohio wants to talk about how Harry is working on just one hour of sleep. So, Vaughn, you're on ESPN Radio. Freddie and Harry, I'm Gabe Neitzel in for Freddie today. Hey Harry, what's up, baby? Freddie, man, all the thing I got, I got two shout outs. Freddie, Harry, yours is first, Harry. You are bad, man. That boy bad. That boy <laughs> is bad. You working on one hour sleep? You are articulate. You're making your points clear and concise. That boy bad. I'm just telling <laughs> you that boy bad. I love it. Part two to this call. Part two to this call. 
Harry, remember the conversation I had about two months ago when I was talking about a uh, Philadelphia and a, uh, a Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl? I was half mm-hmm. right, but man, that boy Jackson, that boy bad. Action Jackson, I'm hang up and listen to you. Boy, yes, yes, Laura, and he's the MVP front runner right now. Oh, he's going. No, he's no, going he's, for it's us. Over. It's over. It's over. Well, you you are right about that. Did, did you see the odds at ESPN Bet? What the did, odds are? Did you see how they just beat the hell out of everybody that's supposed oh. to be good? Yes, everybody. That. Well, that's how you get ten. <sighs> like you have to pay ten thousand dollars right now to win a hundred if you want to bet on Lamar Jackson to win. And get Gabe. And think about this. There are teams in the NFL that didn't want to give Lamar Jackson a contract. Stupid is and stupid how, does. How how can you how can you? I feel bad for anybody who's a fan of any of those teams. Like how can you trust your franchise going forward? You know he like, went to Lamar Louisville. was out there. You didn't even bother picking up the phone and calling. There's not. Do not give me. Well, he was under contract. Well, he was. Oh, somebody on the franchise tag's never been traded before. Yep, it I agree happens with you. all of the time. Oh, they, they would have just matched whatever. Well, you don't know until you call. Like, the fact that nobody called was just beyond it. Well, I'm sure we'll get to more Lower Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, coming up. But we do want to hear from you. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Where will Jim Harbaugh coach next? Plus, Harry's excited. He wants to talk about it. We're going to get to him. Michael Penix Jr. and Washington. How much of a chance do they have against Michigan? That's next. I'm Freddie and Harry. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Wild ending in the Sugar Bowl. The game Harry was at. But it's Washington hanging on. 
37-31 over Texas. It's Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM channel, lady. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Michael Penix Jr. put on a show last night, Harry. And if you haven't been paying attention to Washington, maybe you haven't been paying attention to Michael Penix Jr., I feel bad for you. I understand a lot of their games are on late at night. Maybe you're on the East Coast or in the Central Time Zone. You don't want to stay up that late. I feel bad because maybe that was the first time you got a taste of it, but Michael Penix Jr. has been doing this stuff all year long. 430 yards, two TDs. Huskies finish off the the Longhorns 37-31. And it makes it only fitting, by the way, that the two unbeaten teams are going to go head-to-head next Monday night for that national championship game. Washington doing it thanks to the left arm of Michael Penix Jr. Gabe, you mentioned Michael Penix Jr., and I can only think about this these things right here. 6'3", 215 pounds, left-handed, sharp shooter. Accuracy, ball placement, cool, calm, and collected. Last night, I thought we got to see another dynamic to Michael Penix Jr. in his game at the quarterback position, maneuvering the pocket because there are numerous of occasions where, you know, the Texas Longhorns and their defensive line got some pressure, but Michael Penix Jr. uh, feeling that pressure and working the pocket and sliding to the left, sliding to the right, moving up in the pocket, but still keeping his eyes downfield, never looking at the rush and delivering strikes. I got three words to say. That Boy, bad. Y'all better stop playing with him. Don't play with Michael Penix Jr. Go play with your auntie. Go play with your uncle. The boy don't play his damn radio. Stop playing with Michael Penix Jr. He made money last night, and if they didn't have him as a first-rounder, shame on you. Because what I seen from him also was the athleticism, right? Because yep. we, we deem him as this pocket passer But he had three rushes for 31 yards last night, and some of those rushes were quarterback design runs. So shout-out to his offensive coordinator, Grubb, hell of a last name. I'm pretty sure he Grubb like hell last night. I I love everything about this Washington Huskies football team because Michael Penix Jr. is the leader, but their head coach, Kalen DeBoer, sets the standard and the culture, right? And – the main thing is always going to be the main thing. That's how we start off our show every day on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, right? The main thing's the main thing. Mm-hmm. That's always the case when it comes to the Washington Huskies. And for a team that plays in rain, for a team that plays in snow, for a team that plays in wind, and it not to affect their offense says something about their team. Now, I got to get to the three the hard way. Three the hard way is those three wide receivers. When you look at Rome O'Dunsey, when you look at Jalen McMillan, when you look at Jalen Polk, but it wasn't just those three guys last night. It was the tight end Westover, who might be one of the most underrated players on their football team because he just makes plays time and time again when his numbers is called. But also Bernard on a slot fade showing up when his number is called. That offensive line not allowing a sack, even though they got beat a few times. But it's a reason why they're the Joe Moore Award winning winners, which goes to the best offensive line in college football. Them boys showed up and showed out last night. And, man, there was a play during the megacast where I basically seen the coverage that was going to happen, right? It was going to be man coverage. And it was Romo Dunsey, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he coming. It's going to be a touchdown. I thought it was going to be a touchdown. But it was a go route. And it was right on our sidelines. And he looked at me. And he went to rocking the baby. He looked at the DB first. He looked down at the DB. Looked down at him. <laughs> like, boy, you beneath me. You are beneath me, boy. Looked down at him. And then looked at me. I pointed at him. And he went to rocking the baby. And I went to yelling. Oh, he rocked the baby on him. But the way this group plays, the way this group is unified, and then you move to the defensive side of the ball, Gabe. And they're not going to have the eye-popping numbers. They're not going to be top 10 in this category, that category. But what this defense has been able to do this entire season is make plays in key moments when they need it the most. Against Oregon, the first time they played them, you needed that defense to give Michael Penix the football back so he can go down while he's on the bench freestyling, rapping about what he was going to do when he got the football back. Well, guess what, Gabe? He got the damn ball back and did exactly what he was freestyling and rapping about in that game. That defense last night, first and goal for uh, the Texas Longhorns. And they couldn't get into the end zone. They nope. came up big at the biggest moment. So, shout out to Braden Trice. That young man's going to be a first-round draft pick. Two sacks last night, three tackles for loss. Had pressure on the quarterback, Quinn Ewers, all night long. Michael Penix Jr., I'm going to say it again for the people in the back game that didn't hear me. That boy bad. I don't understand the narrative around this team all year for a couple of different things. I'm glad you brought up all the uh, inclement weather conditions they have to deal with up there in Seattle. Yep. Right? Because... There are two things about this team that I feel like a lot of people have been dismissive about, and I've tried to fight back on it all year long, anytime I've been on a show. Oh, well, yeah, sure, they beat Oregon, but Oregon's really the better team, so why do we should we pay attention to Washington? Oregon's just going to beat them in the Pac-12 championship game, and all Washington did was just win all year long. I don't know why people were down on this team. I don't know why people you know, did not give Michael Penix Jr. the respect that he deserved all season long. And you bring up his athleticism. Because that's always been the big knock. And I guess I kind of bought into the narrative. Like, I mean, because when when you watch this guy throw, and you see the accuracy in which he throws with, you're going, man, how is this not first-round worthy? And then the athletic narrative comes up. And you're like, okay, I guess I get that. He's had the injuries. Maybe that slowed him down a little bit. But then he does what he does last night. And I'm going, no, he's athletic enough to be a first-round pick. Why would you not want this guy to be your franchise quarterback? That's the part I do not understand because this guy, he's going to end up going somewhere that probably not a top 10, but if he ends up being a mid to late round pick, he is going to be in a really good spot, I think, for him and his career going forward because he was so good last night. There, there was one throw. It was an incomplete pass. That was the most like wow throw I saw because he escaped the pocket, rolls out left, and tries to just throw an absolute dart while he's on the run. There's so many college quarterbacks that can't put that much on the ball while they're moving. He's got it all, man. And I feel like somehow, despite putting up all these numbers, despite being the runner-up for the college football uh, for the Heisman Trophy, the dude somehow still remains underrated because they were underdogs in the Pac-12 championship game. They were underdogs last night. They're probably underdogs on Monday. But I believe in Penix. I believe in Washington. I think they walk away as your national champions this year. My favorite play from last night, I'm going to see if you remember this play. It was a touchdown by Jalen McMillan. He was mm-hmm. in the slot up a seam, but they went to a bunch formation to the left side. So they had three guys in a bunch formation. You had the running back to that side as well. So four strong to the left. You had Romo Dunsey to the right side. And the Texas Longhorns were in two high, uh, two high shell, two safeties back deep. 
And the reason why the safety on the right side of the football field couldn't get off that side of the field is because you have a receiver that's third in receiving yards in, the, in, in, in college football in Rome. And you mm-hmm. can't leave him one-on-one with your, with your corner because, you know, Michael Penix Jr. is just going to throw the fade. But the way the zip that Michael Penix put on that football and the velocity and the accuracy and how it – the only person that could catch it was Jalen McMillan. I said, oh, my gosh. I said uh, – you know, I didn't say that. I said, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> because that's because that's what the, that's what the Texas law – I got a little the Lord, nervous. They I thought he was going to say something that you can't say on the radio. But Listen, I'm, glad, I'm the, glad you kept it clean. And I kept trying to keep it real with Colt McCoy last night. I was like, man – it was like, what's the, what's the best defense? I said, it, ain't, it, ain't, it, it don't damn matter because Michael Penn is going to find a way. And that's what he's been doing all season long. But his story, his story is what I really love the most. The adversity that he had to face. How humble he is. How he gives back to the community. Michael Penix Jr., man, is a phenomenal human being. He's a phenomenal football player. Going into the stadium last night, I ran into his family. And I was, uh, you know, talking to them and laughing and joking with them. And I was like, I need y'all baby to ball out today. Because I'm going to talk about your baby very well on ESPN Radio and on Get Up on Thursday. That's like, we seen you the last time. We seen him on that boy bad. I say he'll damn sure be on that boy bad this week if he ball out again. They baby going to be on that boy bad on Thursday. Teaser. There's a different word for what he was doing. He didn't ball out last night. It's like beyond that. That's how good he was. His QBR, and I understand not, you know, everybody necessarily understands QBR. 97.7. 100 is perfect. 50 is average. That's how every throw he like every time he drops back. If you were a Texas fan, I guarantee you were nervous. What, what's he going to do now? Because th- some of the throws he had last night were just absolutely ridiculous. And the thought of him being, you know, somebody's franchise quarterback. He's he's got the toughness. Oh, he's had Seattle. to go through plenty oh. of adversary. He's Gay. had to play through the bad weather. What there's what hasn't he seen? What hasn't he gone through in his college career that's not going to prepare him? Gabe. Seattle. Seattle is the perfect spot for them. They have three Ooh, phenomenal wide they have three phenomenal wide receivers over there. He plays right there in the state in Washington. Mm-hmm. Right? They're probably going to have a, a a mid-round pick if he doesn't yep. go higher now because I the, the, on what the trail that he's on right now, he he's probably going to go higher than that. Yeah. But that, let's just say hy- let's just say hypothetically he slips. Why wouldn't Pete Carroll, with Geno Smith contract is up in 2024, why wouldn't Pete Carroll not take a chance, draft his future quarterback in Michael Penix Jr.? Why not? We, we've got Mel Kuyper coming up at 5 o'clock Eastern time, and he's. I think this is going to be a great question for him because it's everybody knows, and it's been the same narrative all season long, who the top two quarterbacks are. And I know Jalen Daniels, with winning the Heisman Trophy, slipped into that. Maybe he ends up being a top three, top five pick. Who's going to be after that? And did he make himself some money? Those are some great questions we'll talk to at 5 o'clock Eastern time with Mel Kuyper Jr. But coming up next, we'll make the pivot from college over to the NFL because there was some news in the NFL that the Jets are releasing Dalvin Cook. Which playoff contender could use Cook the most? Because that's the reason he's looking to get released. We dive into that coming up next. Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. I need Harry to explain something to me because this this move in the NFL just makes no sense to me. Hopefully he's got an answer here on Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Neitzel in for Freddie today along with Harry Douglas. 
So the Jets are releasing Delvin Cook. I mean, this this was a failed experiment. They decided to pick him up uh, after he was released this offseason by the Minnesota Vikings. 15 games that Cook played. Only 67 carries, 214 yards. That's a 3.2 average. That's 1.4 below his career mark. Uh, only 202 snaps, lowest since his injury-shortened rookie year with the Vikings way back in 2017. And as part of this, at least the narrative around it, the, the Jets you know, are, are agreeing to release him. Cook is giving up a bunch of the guarantees that he had in the contract so he can try to catch on with a contender and make the postseason and you know, presuming somebody would pick him up. Given the numbers I just listed off, 67 carries, 214 yards, 3.2 average, who that would be on the verge of making the playoffs would want to pick up Dalvin Cook right now? I honestly, Gabe, I'm, I'm, and I'm not trying to be funny, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like because That's what I'm saying. You look up and down the list, who needs a running back? Like Nobody's desperate right now at that yep. position in terms of contenders. No, and I, and I think the guys that or that we we deem as contenders, I think they pretty much have their guys or they have that team chemistry right now. And I don't think they would want to bring someone in that was on a losing New York Jets football team and things didn't work out and mess up any of that right now. Not saying that Dalvin Cook is a cancer or anything like that. I'm just saying uh, I, no. I would be very cautious uh, from a front office perspective and also from a head coaching perspective of just bringing anyone in at this juncture in the season, especially if my team is heading in a certain direction. And I really like where we are overall as a whole. I have no idea if the Elvin Cook's a good teammate or not. I didn't, I've never heard anybody complain about him in his time in New York or his time in Minnesota. I'm just saying 3.2 yards per carry – like, you've got to be pretty desperate going into the postseason with just one week left to think, oh, Delvin Cook's being, going to be able to help us out this postseason. Because I start looking down. Let's just start in the AFC. Ravens, despite the injuries they've had there, I think they nope. seem pretty set, you know, at, at running back. Uh, Miami dealing with some injuries at running back, but they've got some depth there. He's yep. not a wide receiver, so the Kansas City Chiefs wouldn't. I mean, if he was a wide receiver, maybe the Chiefs take a flyer because they're desperate for wide receivers at this point. But running back doesn't seem to be an issue with them where they would pick up Dalvin Cook. Jacksonville, no. Cleveland, no. Buffalo? Like, Buffalo no. was a place at the beginning of the season, maybe, but his brother James Cook's been good enough where bringing in Dalvin wouldn't make sense. Like, Indianapolis, no, Jonathan Taylor's healthy. Houston, Pittsburgh's got two backs over at that. So that's it. Like, nobody in the AFC makes sense. And the NFC, clearly no for the 49ers, clearly no for the Cowboys, clearly no for the Lions. Buccaneers? No, they don't, they don't run the football. Yeah, exactly. They, it doesn't make sense for him to go there. They're, yeah, they're a passing team. They're one, of them, they're, they're one of the bottom teams when it comes to rushing the National Football League. So that's, that's their thing. That's what Baker Mayfield does. Um you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and those guys have, you know, been great for Baker Mayfield this season, and they don't even really try to run the football effectively. They they air it out majority of the times. Philly? No. I just don't see it happen. Philly has – they have enough problems right now. Yeah, right, and most hands. of it on the defensive side. Yep. The Rams, they seem very happy with Kyron Williams, the way Kyron that he's Williams progressed. Kyron Williams is unbelievable. Um, I mean, the, the Packers, I mean, if Aaron Jones was still hurt, the Packers maybe, but no, he's healthy coming off back-to-back 100-yard games, so that's a no there. Seattle's got a, a couple of, I mean, Walker looked pretty healthy and good, and they've got a couple of backs that they seem to be high on there. Well, let me say this first, though, because we also have to put it into context. When you look at the Jets and you look at what Brees Hall has been able to do this season, we thought sure. he was going to be hampered, slowed up 
you know, from his ACL injury. And that hasn't been the case at all. Mm-hmm. Brees Hall has has been one of the best players for the Jets this season, and it hasn't been many on the offensive side of the ball. But Brees Hall has definitely been a bright spot rushing the football and also catching the football out of the backfield. Uh, those are two things that Dalvin Cook does, right? Rushing the football effectively, catching the football out of the backfield. Well, if your young back um, is showing no signs of slowing down or showing no signs of being hampered by the injury that he had – then that's going to eat up a ton of his time. But then when you get in the game and you're not really being uh, productive with the time that you're getting, uh, uh, you know. Anytime you add, you're heading to the postseason, like adding another variable just late, like maybe, and again, nothing to do with Delvin Cook, but if you add somebody now that makes somebody on your team upset that they're not getting the touches that maybe they get, it just seems – like there's nobody desperate enough or has a hole at that position where he's going to catch on. Now, he maybe gets another opportunity in the NFL next season, but I don't see a team, especially as we sit here on Tuesday, like they would have to sign him today to get him into practice tomorrow in order to have him ready for, I mean, potentially Sunday. There are four teams playing on Saturday. It just, the whole timing of it seems weird. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But I am looking forward to this. The Freddie and Harry NFL Selection Committee Best teams in the NFL next on ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 